Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Well, good morning. From you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. That's a statement that is so easy to sing. It's a statement that is so easy to to lift our hands in worship as we sing that song because we love that song. But is it true in our lives? Is it true that he is worthy of it all? We acknowledge that all things are from him, but do we surrender those things back to him? And that's where we're gonna be looking this morning. Um, And you'll hear kind of the the direction of how we landed, where we're gonna be going next. Um, But as I was preparing for this week and was praying and asking the Lord's direction and going back really two weeks ago, one thing that really was placed upon my heart was my appreciation and thankfulness that God has allowed us to be here, that God has, has called us to come and, and serve Chestnut Mountain Church. And yes, I, I love you. I love my church. And I'm also thankful for the relationships that God has allowed us to, to make over the last five years and in five years in October, so almost five years. But as we just think about those things, I was just continuing to be overwhelmed with joy, to think about all that God has done and, and really us place, being placed here by the Holy Spirit of God was not of our plans, was nothing we saw coming and literally laughed about it at the opportunity. Because if you knew me, all I knew was teenagers. And that's really still about all I do know anyway, is teenagers. So I've realized if I treat you like teenagers, it just kind of works. Um, Anyway, but you know, I, I, I love this place so much. It brings so much joy to my heart being here and looking forward to being with you each week, seeing you throughout the week, but then also in absence, missing being here and missing who you're with. Because last Sunday, me and my family were, were away camping for Memorial Day weekend, and, and we were able to attend another church just to sit and go to church with my family. And, and, but in that moment, yes, I was refreshed. Yes, I loved it, but I missed being here. I missed being with you. And so as I begin to pray for this week, and I begin to pray for this next series of where we're going, I I pray that that as much joy as Chestnut Mountain Church brings to my heart, I pray that it does the same for you. I pray that it puts joy in your heart when you think about being here. And when you're not here, you miss being here. And that's my heart is behind that is I want you to think about where God has placed you and how much joy does it place in your heart that God has called you here that God wants you here. And so where we're gonna be starting today um, is not at all where we planned on being today. Um, 
Because, you know, when you finish 1 Thessalonians, it only makes sense that you go where? 2 Thessalonians, right? Well, that's been on our calendar now for three months. And as I sat away on the front porch last week, Thursday morning, Friday morning, Saturday morning, thinking, okay, I've got to get ready. I've got to get excited about 2 Thessalonians. The Holy Spirit just would not let me settle. And I was like, okay, God, I don't like this, but where are we going? And so in my mind, I'm coming up with all the excuses. God, this has been on the calendar. Jared and Madison are gonna flip out when I text them and tell them we're not going to 2 Thessalonians. And God said, who's it about? Is it about you or is it about me? I said, okay, I get it. So where we're going was not planned, but where we're gonna be looking is what some say is called the book of joy. And we're gonna be looking in the book of Philippians for the next who knows how long. And the encouraging part of it is as I watched last Sunday, as I watched Jared share and I watched Jared pour out his heart and, and I watched him speaking of the direction of the Holy Spirit, Every time I turned around, he was referencing the book of Philippians. I was going, okay, I get it. There's all the affirmation we need. God's aligning this whole thing. But as you turn, I want you to go ahead and flip to the book of Philippians. And I'll probably say like first Philippians or something because we're just used to that language right now. But I want to give you some history of the church at Philippi and how it started. And I think you're going to see the parallels of even what I've shared already and how the church at Philippi began. And so while you're flipping there, I do wanna share some of the background so you'll really understand what this book is about, what this letter is about. But as we know that this was the first church that was ever birthed in Europe. And Paul, here's the beauty of it. Paul didn't set out to start a church. Paul didn't set out to plant this church in Thessalonica. If you look back, you don't have to turn there. I'm just gonna read it for reference. In Acts chapter 16, we see how the, the direction of the Holy Spirit would not allow Paul to go where he wanted to go. He had his plans. He had what he wanted to do. But if you look in chapter 16 and midway through verse six, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and after they came to Mysia, and they were trying to go into Bithynia, and then the Spirit of Jesus, here it is again, did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night that a man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, come over to Macedonia to help us. And when he had seen this vision, he immediately sought to God in, or to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So you see, Paul had his well-made plans. Paul had where he wanted to go, and we saw that the Spirit of Jesus didn't allow him. We saw that the Holy Spirit shut his mouth, and the Holy Spirit, in a dream, woke him up and said, here's where you need to go. This is where you need to go. And so Paul submitted to that. And we know that when he, he was going to Macedonia, he, he had an encounter with a, with a lady named Lydia. 
He shared the gospel with her. She gives her life to the Lord. Then the whole family gets saved and baptized. And we all know kind of the story of, of how that led to one thing led to another. Paul and Silas end up in prison. And we know the earthquake story. They're in prison and at midnight they're singing praises they're praying then the earthquake happens the the doors fling open they get ready to leave they're leaving the the guard is getting ready to commit suicide because he knew what was going to happen if these prisoners escaped on his watch and so then all of a sudden Paul and Silas get the opportunity to share the gospel with this jailer the whole family gets saved the whole family gets baptized and through all of these events that were not of plans by Paul, we're not of his doing, we see the birth of the church of Philippi. Is it not amazing that when we will get out of God's way and when we will listen to the Holy Spirit of God, what he will do? What he will do? And can I tell you, in most cases, a lot of times when the Holy Spirit of God speaks, you're comfortable in doing what you're doing. Everything seems to be smooth sailing. You're just kind of in your rhythm, things are just happening, and then all of a sudden, it's like God throws the pin off the grenade and just chunks it into your plans, and boom, and then you find yourself going, okay, God, where do we go? Where do we go? And so we have to bring attention to the fact of how willing Paul was to listen to the direction of the Holy Spirit. You know, we've all had our self-made plans. We've all experienced those self-made plans. And, and look, if you're that type A person, you don't distract from those plans. Once it's put in place, we have got to do this. But how many times can you look back in your life and you had those plans laid out and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit of God began to change things and you didn't really like it because it stretched you, it made you uncomfortable and it didn't line up with what you had planned. All of us have experienced that to some extent. When we think back on that, I hope it makes you thankful that you see what the Holy Spirit was doing before you even put your plans in place. I know that God allowing us to come here. Look, I was comfortable doing student ministry. Matter of fact, I had only been at a church, a new church for three months. This was my plans. I had gotten to move back to North Hall. I was like, praise God, I'm out of the south end of the county. I'm going back home. So I was like, this has got to be making sense. But then all of a sudden, I get a phone call from here. And I really thought, I laughed because I thought, no, nah, I can't leave there, this student ministry to go to another student ministry. And as Eddie Millwood was on the phone, he said, well, I'm not talking about student pastor. I said, huh? Then the plans really went sideways because I laughed. And I said, I know absolutely nothing about being a pastor. Still don't know a whole lot about being a pastor. But we put that available foot forward. And it's amazing. I look back now in my life and I see some 17 years ago that God placed us at Davis Middle School as a PE teacher and a coach. And I've told y'all the story of many times I did not want to be in South Hall County. But now every week I'm reminded as I stand in the lobby and I see former students and their babies coming through the lobby. 
Yeah. And so now 17 years later, I'm going, okay, God, I see what you were doing 17 years ago when it made absolutely no sense to me. And so that's what we see has happened at the church of Philippi. Paul had his plans. Paul was doing what he was called to do. And then all of a sudden God says, hey, but are you going to listen to me? Are you going to keep making yourself available? And you know, if it's for nothing else, we could really stop right here because God sent us to this letter for a reason. And this letter is for somebody in this room that we could really stop right now. And I wonder who in this room needs to die to your plans and submit to the power of the Holy Spirit of where he's leading you to go. And can I tell you, probably where he's leading you scares you out of your mind. I asked a man one time, I said, does this seem too far-fetched? He said, yep, just far-fetched enough that God's probably right in the middle of it. So we could really stop right now. And I wonder, is there a man or a woman that, that has your plans, you're comfortable in your job, you're comfortable doing what you're doing, but all of a sudden you've been feeling some time now that the Holy Spirit of God is changing your direction and here's the, what I wanna challenge you with. You need to be like Paul and say, God, okay, I get it. I'm willing right now in this moment to die to my plans and make myself available. And the truth is that may be one person. That may be one person in this room. But what you need to do today is to die to your plan and trust him. That's how this whole study that we're gonna be looking at Philippians was birthed. We had our plans and God changed it. And when God changes things, that's when I know that God is right in the middle of it. So this is for somebody today. But the beauty of it is, is Paul's obedience led to the birth of what a lot of scholars say was his favorite church. You say, well, that sounds kind of biased. One of the reasons that we believe that this is one of Paul's favorite churches, if not his favorite church of all the letters that he wrote to churches, do you know that this is the one letter that he didn't correct anything? He didn't get on to them. He celebrated all that God was doing. All the other letters, look, we've read a bunch of them. He got on to a bunch of things that were going on. But this is the one letter that he didn't have to correct anything. And so in that, you may ask the question, well, Brian, was the church of Philippi the perfect church? Nope. You know how I know that? The perfect church does not exist. The perfect church, listen to me, does not exist. So if you're here visiting today and you're looking for the perfect church, you ain't gonna find it here. Just gonna go ahead and tell you. You know how I know that? Because God's called me to lead it. Y'all think I'm kidding. But there is no perfect church. All churches, listen to me, all churches are made up of imperfect people living in imperfect circumstances, however, serving a perfect God. That's what the church looks like. That's what the church is. 
And so I want you to understand that this morning that I don't want you to leave here every week because you found something that you don't like. Can I can tell you, you can go to any church where from miles around and you're gonna find something you don't like because the perfect church does not exist. You're imperfect. I'm imperfect. Our staff's not perfect. There is no such thing as a perfect member. So therefore, there's no such thing as a perfect church. But we've got to ask ourselves that question. Why, why did Paul love the church at Philippi so much if they weren't perfect? Why did he love them? Philippians chapter one, we finally made it to Philippians. I told you we'd get there. Look with me in verses one and two. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What we get from this introduction is this letter is to the churches in entirety. This church is to every believer that makes it up. He declares that by addressing it to the saints who are the, the, the born again believers. Then he talks to the elders who are the governing body of that church. Then he talks to the deacons who are the body of, of believers who are serving that church. So you see, he's addressing all aspects of the church to the saints, to the elders, to the deacons. So that leaves no one out. But we also see that he talks about the one thing that even though they all have different roles, but they're all unified in Christ. Though they're called to that church for different purposes, the one thing they all have in common is they are unified in Jesus Christ. But this leads us to help see that the diversity of the church. You say, well, how do, how do we see that there's diversity in the church? If you look at the greeting there, he says there to you, grace to you, and peace from God. What that lets us know is that greeting is to two separate groups of people. Grace was to the Gentile, that was us. So he's welcoming the Gentiles, the one who are out of the flock, who have been born again into the flock. Then the, the word peace, which we know from the original language is shalom, which was to the Jewish converts. So we see this greeting is to the Jew and the Gentile, who used to be enemies, who used to not like each other, but because of the unity of Christ, now they have come together and they are functioning as one body. So the diversity, everybody was coming from different walks of life. They were all coming from different stories. They all have different baggage. They all had their own struggles. They had all of those things, but because of Christ, they had come together as one. And so he's addressing the diversity in the church. And so now they're family. They once were enemies, but now they're families. We see this in Galatians. We talk about the diversity of the church. Galatians 3.28, you don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen. It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free man. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The church is to be diverse, meaning that we come from different backgrounds, from different walks of life. That's what the church was about, and that's why one reason that Paul was so drawn to this church. But when we talk about all having our stories, all having our own backgrounds, our own 
upbringings, our own battles. You know, there's one thing that you hear a lot of times in church. It says, yes, I get it, but don't let your past define you. And we love to celebrate that. How many are thankful that our past doesn't define us? We are thankful that our past doesn't define who we are, that we are defined in Christ Jesus. But you know the way a church should really love? We love to celebrate. Don't let our past define us. Yes, that is so true. But there's something else that we as the church need to be reminded of today. We need to stop defining people by their past. We love to celebrate that it doesn't define us. But what we find ourselves in is we see people walk in the door and we're going, I cannot believe they're at church. Because we're allowing their past to define them. We're defining them by their past. But the thing that Paul loved about the church at Philippi is they weren't doing that. They were loving each other right where they're at. They were loving each other the way that we are called to love each other. And we've seen that through all of Paul's letters. He always encourages us to love one another. Paul loves this church. He loved them because they were loving each other the right way. They were loving each other the way that a church is called to love each other. And what we see is that when we keep reading in verses three through eight, we see that, that Paul just continues to lift and encourage the church. Keep reading with me. He says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. In view of your participation, some of your Bibles may say partnership, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now, for I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart. Since both of you in my imprisonment and in the defense of my confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. Verse eight, for God is my witness how I long for you with all with the affection of Christ Jesus. So he spends six verses there just letting them know how much he loves them. And what he talks about is every time I think of you, it brings me joy. Every time I think of you, it brings me joy. You know, in this season of, of Paul's life, in this season of the church at Philippi's life, Joy was much needed. Joy was something that they needed because Paul had experienced a lot. The church was walking through a lot. And if they looked at their circumstances, if they looked at what was going on around them, there wasn't a lot around them that brought them joy. There wasn't a lot going on in that community that should bring them joy because of everything they were struggling with. I mean, Paul has been pelted with stones. He's been beaten with rods. He's faced riots. There's been plots to kill him. And then we hear the church of Philippi, they were poor. They were financially struggling. They were being persecuted because of their faith. 
And they were being attacked and facing false teachers trying to get into the church. And so there wasn't a lot going on in their life that would bring them joy. So the church was the bright spot for Paul and Paul was the bright spot for the church. This was something that brought both of their hearts joy. Now, I think you can all see where we're going with that. When we look around us, when we look at the news, when we look at social media, it is so very easy to be discouraged. It's so very easy to be frustrated. And for us, if we're not careful, we're gonna look around us and think, okay, there's not a whole lot to be joyful about. There's not a whole lot to look forward to. But just as we finished in, in the book of First Thessalonians, we see that there's a better day coming. So we know as the church, this is something that we do have to look forward to. But even right now in our circumstances, if you're anything like me, we want something now, don't we? Yeah, all that future stuff, that sounds great. All that, you know, at the second coming, it's on its way. Yes, praise be unto God. But Brian, I need some joy now. I need some relief. My prayer has been for you this week is that this place, because of the unity of Christ that abides here, that when you think of being together with church family on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday night, anytime throughout the week, that it brings you joy. That it brings you joy. That you look forward to being here. And when you're not here, you miss being here. And so this has been my prayer is God reignite that, that joy in us. God, you've put us with these believers. You've put us with this family. God, bring our hearts joy to be with one another. Because if we're not careful, we can look horizontally and see that there's not a whole lot that may seem joyful. But my prayer is, is this is your bright spot for the week. That you leave here with hope, that you leave here encouraged. But because Paul had so much joy for this place, for the church at Philippi, we see there's three things that he did that we just read. Because of this joy, it birthed three different things in Paul that he was very adamant about. The first thing that he did was he thanked God for them. He thanked God for the church. Do we constantly thank God for our church? Do we constantly thank God for what he's doing here? Then it goes on to say that he remembered them. Some versions maybe say that he thinks of them do we think about our church? Do we have our church on our mind? Do we think about our family members? Do we think about what they're walking through? Do we think about how maybe we need to encourage them? Do we think about them throughout the week? Or do we just turn it off in just about 45 minutes and then we don't think about them again until we show back up next Sunday? Do we? Do we think about them? And then the third thing Paul does, he prays for them. He prays for the church at Philippi. Do you pray for Chestnut Mountain Church? 
Do you pray for its members? Do you pray for the staff? Do you pray for the worship team? Because if this place truly brings you joy, I believe these three things are a product of that joy. You're gonna thank God. You're gonna be thinking of this place and you're gonna pray. And you're going to pray. So because of Paul's actions, we can tell that he, he loves the church. We can all say that we love the church, but does our actions prove that we love the church? Are we living out that love? So I know when you think about it, you're thinking about Paul, you go, okay, I get it. Paul loved the church because they loved each other the right way. They got along. They welcomed everybody in their struggles, but Brian, there's gotta be more reasons as to why he loved them that much. Why did he love the church at Philippi that much? Let's look at verse five, and then we're gonna skip to verse seven. Verse five, he says, in view of your partnership or participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Then skip to verse seven. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of this grace with me. There's one word that really, really is amplified here that lets us know why Paul cared so deeply about the church at Philippi. And it's that word participation. It's that word partnership. You know, this word partnership, this word partner, this was a term that was a financial term. To be a partner with someone from a financial standpoint was that you're gonna make an investment into something. That you're gonna give away what you have in order because you believe in something. You believe in the work. You believe in what is happening. And so the reason that Paul was brought so much joy is because the church at Philippi had partnered with him. They were making an investment with him, not necessarily into the church at Philippi, but into the work of the ministry, the global ministry of what all God was doing. They were all in. But we do know that Paul was thankful for their financial support. He was thankful for that, and we read that in chapter four. You don't have to turn there. In chapter four, verse 15 and 16, he says, you yourselves also, the Philippians, that are at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, listen to this, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Do you remember what we said, one of the struggles that the church at Philippi had? They were poor. They were broke. But what did they do? They financially supported the work of the ministry that Paul was doing. And so you better believe that God was asking them to do things that was making them very uncomfortable. God was asking them to do things that didn't make sense on paper, that they didn't understand. Because you better believe if they had them, they were pulling out the old calculators going, you want us to give what? 
They don't line up. Because of their faithfulness, because of their partnership in the ministry, there again, just like Paul, they were obedient with what God had instructed them to do. Now, I know some of you are thinking, oh golly, here we go with the money talk. Partnership meant much more than money. To be a partner meant much more than stroking a check or to giving something that they did, felt like they didn't have. You see, the word partner comes from the root meaning of share something, to share something. And what that means is why Paul was so thankful is that because the church at Philippi, they were sharing in the enterprise of this gospel ministry. Yes, it was financially, but they were also taking care of their responsibilities, of what God had called them to do. They were open to changing their plans. They were opening to listen to the Holy Spirit and his direction of what God was leading them to do. And this is again what the church is supposed to look like. Every week, if God has called you here, keep in mind, and I'm gonna hit on this in just a minute, if you're here, you have a responsibility here. That's as quiet as I figured it would be. <laughs> but if God has called you here, he's called you to be a partner, which means that we're gonna carry the responsibility one with another, that we're all in this thing together, and Paul was so passionate about this. We read in, in 2 Timothy where he continues to tell Timothy, hey, make sure you're telling the church that they keep sharing the responsibility. This is how passionate Paul was about this partnership, about this sharing the load, about carrying the weight together. And so what I'm going to tell you, I want you to hear my, my heart in it. And I hope you know I'm telling you this because I love you. You may be new here. You may be old here. I don't know how to, been here a while. Maybe that's a better usage of words. But God didn't save you so you can attend church. He saved you to be a partner in the ministry of the church. God didn't save you just so that you can attend Chestnut Mountain Church, so that you can come here on Sundays, take up a seat, check the box, and go back home. But God has called you here because he's invited you into the ministry. He's invited you into the mission of what he is doing here. And our mission, if you don't know it, is to saturate the world by making disciples. That's our mission here. That is what God has called us to do here. And so I have to ask the question, what's your part in that? What's your responsibility in that? Because if you've been saved by the grace of God and God has called you here, he saved you to be a partner. He saved you to participate. He didn't save you just to attend. 
We can attend a Georgia game on Saturday in the fall. We can attend a concert. But praise be unto God, what if, <laughs> what if you go to the first game of the year this year in Athens and Kirby picks you out of the crowd and he says, hey, you ain't here just to attend, you're here to play, come on. What you gonna do? Sorry, coach, I pulled a hammy, come up the steps. You understand, that's what God has done for you. He saved you. He's on the field coaching. He's leading. You're in the stands watching, and he's calling you down to the playing field. He's not called you to sit with your pom-pom in the bleachers. He's not called you just to cheer of the things God is doing. He's called you to be a part of it. And how humbling is that? That he's inviting you in to the game that we do not lose. Sign me up. But God is inviting us in. He doesn't want us to attend. He wants us to participate. You say, okay, Brian, well, just tell me where I'm supposed to serve. Tell me what you want me to do. That's not my role. If you've been saved, you've got all you need and it's the power of the Holy Spirit living in you that will direct you, that will guide you, and will lead you where he wants you to be. So you say, okay, well, what's that mean? Ask him. You ask him. Or better yet, just say, God, this scares me to death, but I'm available. And I believe with all the conviction I have in me that if you will make yourself available, he will reveal to you your responsibility. If you'll make yourself available, he'll show you your responsibility. And yeah, that responsibility will probably scare you to death. It'll probably be so far-fetched that you're thinking, what in the world? Can I tell you the more far-fetched it is is probably all the evidence that you need that God's right in the middle of it. Will you make yourself available? What's your part? Does God want you to invest financially? It's not my place to tell you that. That's between you and him. Does God want you to serve. You know, the beauty of, of camp this week is, yeah, we're sending over 100 students to camp, but you heard Brandon say that we're sending about 200. I'm not a math major. That's a lot of volunteers. That's a lot of people who, guess what? They don't just attend. They're partners in what God is doing. And you know what has always been so humbling to me? When I was in student ministry, you have adults. Listen to me in this, and you're gonna see how selfless some people are. You realize that they're leaving tomorrow. They're not coming home till Friday. Do you know what that lets us know they did with their vacation plans? Because some people only get one week a year to go on vacation. And they said, God... 
Here it is. God, use me. God, I wanna be a part of what you're doing in a teenager's life. So God, if that's me dying to my vacation plans, God, I'm all yours. God, I'm all yours. Where's he called you to serve? Has he called you to, to rock a baby? Because the chances are, if you're down there rocking a baby, one of them's gonna be mine eventually. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I don't know where that came from, Jared. Or is God for right now leading you to be in a group? To celebrate groups, I want you to understand this is something that we need to celebrate. Did you realize that when you walk around this campus, that there's 83% of those who attend worship who are in a small group now? 83% of the adults, the kids that are here worshiping are plugged in a small group. That is unheard of. You say, well, Brian, what, how's really me being a group? How's that me, how's that me, you know, walking in my calling? Maybe that's the first step because when you're in a group, again, you're not attending, you're helping carry the load. You're helping carry the burden of that brother or sister in Christ who's hurting. You begin helping them. You begin being a participant in what they're walking through. But then the beauty of it is it's reciprocated. When you're walking through stuff, guess what? Now you have people to walk through it with you. It's a partner. It's sharing the responsibility. And so how many of us need to make ourselves available? You know, I, I struggled all morning with this because we're really supposed to go all the way down through verse 11. But there's joyous news when you make yourself available. He reveals the responsibility. And look, here's what I want you to hear this morning. If you're wrestling with a calling, you say, what do you mean a calling? This is something you don't hear a lot anymore. Has God called you to preach? Has God called you into ministry? Some of you need to stop running and change your plans and say, God, my plans are now your plans. Some of you need to be serving. Some of you need to be just holding a door. Because here's the beauty of it. One of the things that we share every week is celebration. We're gonna celebrate five baptisms in just a moment. Do you realize that the people downstairs rocking the babies play a role in that? You say, well, how do they play a role in that? Because it frees mom and dad to come up and hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. You say, well, Brian, maybe God's called me to, to hold a door. How do I get to celebrate in baptism? What role do I play in, 
and their salvation by holding a door. When you smiled and welcomed them in, guess what happened? Their walls fell. They came in maybe bitter. And all of a sudden, because of your smile, it opened their heart and their ears to hear the gospel. So for every baptism, every person on this campus that makes a Sunday morning happen played a role in it. But the beauty of it is, is God has invited us all in. All to be a part of that. And I know that's scary. I know that flips some of you out. But here's the good news. Verse six. For I am confident of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you. Will perfect it. Until the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.